0: Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. We got a great episode for you today, you guys we talk about the power of breathwork, specifically somatic breathwork and how essential it is for your healing journey. Breathwork has a power that is able to uncover and unlock a lot of deep healing and deep wisdom within us. And the more I do it, the more I uncover. And it's also really powerful and needs to have a lot of respect and you need to be... um one of these things where it's always great to have somebody with you doing it because it can take you to some pretty, pretty crazy places, just like you would doing psychedelics, plant medicine, stuff like that. So we'll talk about all that. And uh, today we got Steven Jagger joining us. Great guy. He's um, He specializes in somatic breath work and a lot of people I know in my community that have gone to him and. He's great. And we really unpack it all. We strip it all down. And we, uh, for any of you that may have been confused about breathwork and the power of its healing properties, this is the episode to listen to. So make sure you listen to this right to the end. And all the information for Steven is in the show notes. Also, a little update on my life. I'm currently in Sedona, Arizona, where... I had one of the most powerful breath work experiences in my life. So, you know, which really inspired a lot of what the book is about with mastering adversity. And if you guys don't have a copy, make sure to grab it. It's really, I really appreciate it. It really supports the work we do here, and it's it's a good step at going deeper into you know all the conversations we have, and you know, if you are uh, serious about your healing journey and you want to really dive into figuring out how to create that self awareness when adversity hits, grab yourself a copy. So but yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting because I'm in Sedona right now and having uh talking about breath work while I'm here is pretty pretty funny the timing. So um seems to always work out that way, right? So yeah guys, enjoy this episode. It was a fun one to record. And uh, let us know what you think. All right. Steven Jagger's coming right up. Here we go. Steven Jagger, welcome to the podcast, brother. Good to see you.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Lance. It's an honor. You know,
0: I know we just met, but I feel like I want to call you Jagger. It feels like I already... Jagger, what's up?
1: I did a a podcast with a Godzi, and that was the first question he asked me. He's like, do you go by Steven or or Jagger's? And I'm like, you know, actually, in this next... Phase of my journey, I think that most people call me Jagger, yeah. or Jaggers. Oh, yeah, Jaggers with an S. Jaggers, but, um, but most people call me Jagger or Jags. That that works, you know. Jaggers, Jag, J-A-G, like jaguar. That root word actually means hunter, like like Jaeger, Meister, like the alcohol. It's like they got a deer on there, and it's like it's it actually means master hunter. So, I'm like, okay, maybe I'll I'll uh, I'll try on the archetype of the hunter for a little bit. Dude, that's that you got such a
0: great last name. I mean, even thinking about a branding purpose down the road, like that is it's so unique and it could be just something so cool. So, yeah, I wish I had a last name like that,
1: man. (laughs) I feel, I feel blessed for sure. I feel
0: blessed, dude. So, I've been drawn to your work for a while. I've actually, it's interesting because I was, when I first, so we're little for a little context for people. You know, through Fit for Service, I remember sitting in one of the breathwork ceremonies with Anahata in Sedona, and I remember seeing you. And then the last couple of years, I've started to notice you. You know, you know, with your own somatic breathwork and and people doing it, and I'm hearing different things about somatic work, and a lot of people in the Fit for Service community that I know or just speak so highly. And I'm like, man, I got I to gotta get this guy on the show and I want to look into his work because the more I start to realize and I start to feel what's going on in my own life and I see what's going on in the world, I feel it's just so necessary that people take the time to do this work. And for me, I guess my first question is like, how did you, what was your initial step into the healing world? Is it something you wanted to do with breath work and somatics or was it something else? Did you go through some difficult times? I'd love to hear how you were drawn to this work in the first place.
1: Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. And I think first off, it chose me uh, or maybe I chose it before this life. Who knows? But you know, my, my upbringing, I am an only child. My parents were pretty significant addicts when I was growing up, and beyond that, I just, I just saw them struggle like really, really with, you know, hard drugs. Like when I was very, very young, you know, hard street drugs, and then quickly sw- getting off of those and going to rehab, and then switching to prescription medications. And you know, every kind of five, six months, like saying they're going back to the doctor and they're going to switch their prescription medications, and this will be the medication that. Really makes me you know happy if you will, and I just watched them kind of struggle with anxiety and depression as a young child and you know when you're so young you're so sensitive and you're 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 co-regulating with them and i I picked up on a lot of that and and I just probably a lot of this is stemmed from my my wanting to help them, but then you know through high school I was always very physically active i I love playing sports and so I Outside of high school, I wanted to go to school for physical therapy because I was fascinated with the body and I just, I had a lot of injuries. I was an amateur skateboarder. I skateboarded in lots of different competitions and threw myself down staircases like a young boy would do, you know, and, and realizing or feeling like I'm invincible and end up really taking a toll on my body and also playing basketball in college. And and um, and at the same time, I, wanted, I, I also was studying addiction psychology. I couldn't decide if I wanted to go down this mind route or I wanted to go down this like physical route of understanding the physical body. And when I was in college, kind of taking classes in both, I ended up kind of dropping out because I just, I wasn't a book learner. I was more of an experiential learner. And, uh, you know, through... Yeah, through kind of a spiritual awakening myself, having lots of lucid dreams and not really understanding the phenomenon of that and doing a little bit of research online, it opened up kind of a wormhole for me to understand like altered states of consciousness. And that led me down a rabbit hole of understanding kind of the energetics of your body and and how how it affects your mind. And so I ended up um finding a sort of holistic or a natural naturopathic school that taught kind of all of these different things, mostly energetic body work and also physical body work. And I started studying a lot of different somatic perspectives on mind-body health. And I became, I, as soon as I got my hands on someone's body, all of the stuff that I had learned previously, that I had a hard time learning, it all became very applicable to me. And so I'm a very hands-on learner, which I think most people are. And so I fell in love with it. I became a body worker. I really like and I you know work from a postural standpoint of of like aligning people's physical bodies and injury and working with injuries and stuff like that. Also and also studying like the energetic aspect of that and like the emotions and how that affects your posture and seeing people over and over and over again and 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 trying to align themselves and but then realizing that there's something deeper there on an emotional side on a a, a relational side. And so you know, I was a body worker and I was a teacher at a, at a local school in Arizona, um, teaching lots of these different somatic style body work classes. And somatic just means of the, the the body in relationship to the mind and looking at sort of this bottom up process of how the body affects the mind, which I can get into in a little bit. But, you know, and then I, I, I started in 2017, I was I had started exploring with some different psychedelic medicines and just in a recreational standpoint, and I was very fascinated. It it made me aware of so much. And I started researching and I found this nonprofit organization called MAPS, which people might be familiar with that. And in 2017, I I, I volunteered at a a psychedelic science conference and I had a friend say, you need to go to this breathwork session by a man named Stan Groff. And he's kind of the father of modern holotropic style breath work. And I had this profound release, like physical release, more than I've had in body work, in coaching, in yoga, in chiropractic, acupuncture, more than any modality, just through breath work. I had this profound, like physical cathartic release, but also like muscular and tension wise release. And I really cleared on a physical level and I had this just. As soon as I cleared, as soon as I had this release, I became so clear mentally and I had this clarity that I'm actually a breath worker first, I'm a body worker second. And anybody that's working with another human in any sort of capacity, you are actually a breath worker, whether you're aware of it or not, because the breath is something that you're doing all the time, whether you're conscious of it or not, it's the only body rhythm that you can be conscious of or you don't have to, you're still going to breathe. And so we attuned to each other either way. And so I started studying lots of different breath work and, and, and realizing that, that the state of your breath, and that's a, it's a button, it's a toggle switch, it's a control that you have inside of your system to control the state of your nervous system. And everything that I learned in body work, all of it was in, in somatics All of it was regarding the nervous system, which is your chakra system, which is your electrical system that controls both your mind and your body. And so I started studying a lot of that and, you know, moving to Sedona and doing a lot of body work and meeting allies like Anahata, who had a very shamanic approach to breath work. And she, you know, shared a lot of stuff with me and her approach to it. And, you know, I kind of combined a lot of the somatic understandings and and very just kind of more, I guess, Western standpoint of understanding a lot of this more from a physiological and, and, and sort of psychological understanding. I wanted to take the sort of shamanic understanding and the somatic understanding and like put it together and make it very accessible for people. And I think that I've simplified it enough and made it very accessible. And that's kind of where, why it's kind of, growing the way that it is. I mean, there's so many other reasons why it's growing, but, and I, and I, I, I have a background in teaching and I, I, that's almost what I love more than being a practitioner as I love being able to simplify information and make it digestible for people that they can use it in an applicable way for any population of people. Right.
0: Yeah, man. So much there. I would love to kind of break the, the difference down between shamanic and Somatic, just for people, because I think you know, I think th- that's all I've done is shamanic. I've never done like what is the difference? Can you explain those to people? because I think I think what you're doing to combine them is really powerful. But you know what are what are people getting into when they do shamanic and what are people getting into when they do more of the Somatic in other ways?
1: I think that what I do is actually very shamanic in a way, yeah. I think it's just the way that I explain it, okay, I think that uh shamanic approach is it it really depends I mean there's so many different types of shamanic approaches, right right I think that i'm I'm trying to make it applicable for the the modern world. Maybe you can call me a modern shaman, if you will yeah uh, but but the because yeah, sometimes that I,
0: when people hear the word shaman or shaman like they may they may get this feeling right. And so what you're saying is you're able to make that less of that, maybe that like stereotype that it has for certain people. And they may not want to jump in if they hear that word, but you're, what you're saying is you're trying to make it easily more digestible for somebody that may not understand the depths of like the shaman shaman work.
1: Absolutely, man. I mean, living in Sedona, kind of the woo-woo center of the world and working with, you know, so many people come there and they want to have a spiritual experience, right? And they want to have this. And and then also at the same time, like I have a very clinical background and I work with people that are very much against the spiritual sort of languaging around things. Mm. And so I, like science and spirituality, the gap between those is being closed in on every day. Like they're being able to things like these spiritual phenomenons and, and a lot of the shamanic approaches are actually being validated by science, right? And so I think that I, I worked with so, so many different populations. Like when you are doing this sort of deep work with people, we live in a world that's so dominated by your mind that before they even go to have this experience, you need to be able to settle their mind like you need to be able to like explain it in a way that settles them to to that where they can like let down their defense systems and 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 actually like okay I can understand this now I'll I'll have this experience so it's not necessarily that it's it's a it's a massively different technique it's just the intentionality that I'm going into with it and the way that I'm explaining it and there are some certain processes that I sort of look at and I don't necessarily, like I'm not necessarily one to use all of the different tool, shamanic tools like rattles and drums and, and sage and feathers and all of these different things, which I think they're great. But I think all of those tools are just an extension of you. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the times I see, you know, teaching people, a lot of that time, that question comes up, like what about using a rattle or a drum? And I'm like, Well, you can do that, but I'll teach you how to do it with, with just you Mm. and and another person. And because the last thing I want you to do is go over and use a rattle or a drum with somebody. And then this person have a profound experience. And then you're like, oh, it's because of the drum, because of the rattle. I need to use the rattle on them too. And then you're over here using it on everyone. And it's, and you're thinking that it's because of the, like a tool can be a medicine or a poison depending on when you utilize it. And so I think that, that learning how to, to do this work just from a basic level and being able to explain it on a very basic level to our modern world is what's going to make the greatest impact, is what's going to make, like right now we have 550 practitioners worldwide. We've done sessions with thousands and thousands of people worldwide. And I think it's because I've kind of simplified it and made it very accessible. Dude, I think it's one of the most important things that we can do is help people move through their
0: traumas and all the emotions that they have, right? Like, we see there's so many people out there that are, you see it in the entrepreneurial world. They're chasing oh, yeah. this thing. They're like, more, 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 do more, do more, get the thing, do the thing. And then it's like, now what? That void doesn't yeah. get filled. And, I see that, but I also see the person that has that potential that they've forgotten. You know, they got that cloud of the trauma. They got that foggy lens and they don't believe in themselves. They don't have the confidence. And it's like, imagine everybody was able to work through those stories, right? Work through those traumas. I really believe, and it's, would you say it's probably the number one thing holding people back? And like, what kind of what got us into this mess is people aren't dealing with their shit.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's, it's mostly not their fault. Yeah. You know, I think that a lot of our traumas and our stressors, like, like first off, we have to define what trauma even means. Like, cause that's a word that's kind of thrown around. Yeah. I don't think that people even like words are just the carrier of meaning. And so trauma, you could replace it with the word stress if you wanted to. Those those are not the things that are ha- that happen to you, right? They're not the things that happen to you. It's what's happening inside of you, based on those things that are happening to you. Mm. So it's actually not a, a trauma, if you will. It's a trauma response. Right. It's a stress response, and it's completely subjective, meaning that what's traumatic to me might not be traumatic to you, based on what your own resilience levels. You know, what you've gone through, what you've overcome, you know, what's stressful to me might not be stressful to you based mm. on how much resilience you have. And, and also your sort of nature and nurture of how you were, how, how, you, like the patterns that were passed down and ancest- ancestrally from your parents, and then also all the developmental things. But most of our trauma responses are a normal response to an abnormal environment. It's the same thing as like, you could look at your body most of the tension in your body like right now i'm sitting and i'm there's tension in my hips from sitting that's a very normal response to an abnormal position for my body my body didn't develop thousands of years to sit in a chair and so the tension in my hips are a very normal response to an abnormal environment the same thing that's going on with our suppressed emotions and 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 a lot of the sort of Collective trauma that we're experiencing—they're actually very normal, like intelligent responses from our body um, mm-hmm. due to an abnormal environment. And so we've lost the—you know—and this is kind of where shamanism comes in. That we've lost the the naturals and traditions and patterns in our culture that allow people to move through those things, to move through their emotions, to express instead of suppress a lot of the stuff, those things have been weeded out of our culture. And, uh, and we are really seeing a lot of the struggles due to that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so well put. So what can you walk us through what is actually happening? when somebody is healing through, let's say a profound breathwork, somatic experience. So they have this, they have this thing that's stuck. Can you walk us through like what is actually happening from start to the end of like maybe what you've experienced with yourself or you've seen with
1: people? Yeah, absolutely. First, before that, we have to have kind of an understanding of how our system works Mm -hmm. and how it's been developed through thousands of years of evolutionary biology. And so your body is not your chronological age. Like, however old you are, like, I'm 31. My body is not 31 years old. My body is actually thousands of years old because it's taken thousands of years for my body, the intelligence of my body, to develop the patterns that have kept us alive. Mm. And so there's certain, like, nervous system processes like fight, flight, freeze, all of these processes, fawn, those, you didn't just learn those this lifetime. Like those have been learned through our ancestry. And so those very animalistic processes are, we can't bypass them. You can't bypass the nature of your body. You can't bypass biology. And so we've kind of forgotten and we've like, to put it simply, we've forgotten that we're fucking animals. <laughs> yeah, We are animals. And there are certain animalistic processes that we can't bypass. And so understanding that, that we are a, and I call and this is kind of referred to as a bottom-up process. We are a bottom-up process, meaning that we are animals first. We are like thinking individuals second. And so I use the example, like if someone were to break into your house right now, you would first have a very instinctual, animalistic response, like because it would take too much time for you to have to think about it. Like you would either move towards this person and want to like fight them. you would maybe want to run away from them, or maybe you would freeze where you're at, or maybe you would fawn and kind of play dead, right? And so that would happen first. Secondly, you would feel an emotion. We're emotional being second. So after that, say that you, you know, we about to run from this person, then, you know, that would create a chemical concoction of like glandular secretions of fear. And you would start to feel fear like course through your system. And that's a powerful cocktail of chemicals through your system. It's still not happening in your mind. Only lastly, like after that whole situation went down, would you start to create a story in your head? That's when the mind comes in. And so maybe if, say, you, you're the animal instinct was to run from this, you felt a ton of fear. And then afterwards, it's like, okay, then the story, the story that your mind is starting to play is based on what happened on an emotional level and on an instinctual level. And maybe that story is that I'm not safe in my house anymore or the world is out to get me. And so we in the modern world, Try to look at things from a top down level, we go to the mind first, we try to like talk things through. we try to work with the story. but you can work with the story all you want. You can play mental chess and and if someone's body, like on an animal level, is still stuck in a contracted state, then you can work with the story all you want. The body is still in a contracted state, and so it's it's gonna be very hard like i i I talk to so many people that are like. I just can't stop these limiting thoughts and I can't stop this like these thoughts of scarcity or these these you know, these fearful like anxiety ridden thoughts. Well, it's not like you wake up in the morning and you choose to think limitedly. Nobody wakes up in the morning and choose to like I'm going to think limited today. Those limited thoughts are a lot of the times the the byproduct of the state of your system. If you are stuck in a contracted state in a state of fear, you're going to be picking up on fear centered ideas and people in power, the religions of the world, governments of the world, they understand this. Yeah. If we can keep you in the state of fear, guilt, shame, we're going to keep you in that animalistic place where you're not going to be able to think clearly, you know, you're going to run to the store and buy all the toilet paper. Like that has anything to do with your physical survival whatsoever. It's not a rational, it's not a rational decision. And so Like, first off, understanding like our bottom up process is so necessary to mental health. Like, it's not about mental health, it's about mind body health. And people don't realize that your nervous system is the electrical system of your body and it's like an antenna. Like, yoga is a great practice of this. They're using different like shapes of your body to tune into different things. You could look at yourself as an antenna. If you're in a contracted state, you're going to be picking up on contracted ideas. And so your thoughts aren't necessarily happening in your head. You're tuning into the thoughts. If I want to think expansively, like people want to think expansively and expand their consciousness, you can't expand your consciousness if you are stuck in a, in a fear state. It just doesn't work like that. So we have to work with the body, really. And so during breath work, I guess, is there any questions on that? And then I can get into the process <laughs> of breath work. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, that was, I'm so glad you brought that up because so many people wake up with those thoughts and fears and even somebody I'm sure like yourself or even like myself who's done work, that stuff still, that still comes in and like these things that I thought I worked through still come up and I think it's, it's interesting because I learned this in Dr. Joe Dispenza's retreats as well. It's like creating that heart opening energy and allowing yourself to to yeah. expand is so important. And I guess it's like, how does somebody take that? They get up, they start worrying about something. Like, how can we just be like, wait a minute, that's not my truth. Like, how do we get out of that? before it like unfolds into this like unraveling of scarcity and how do we catch it in time? And like I'm, I'm just curious about your thoughts because it's a great point. So many people have it and it's it's so normal to have it at some point. But then how do we how do we allow ourselves to feel it and then not choose those thoughts and choose better thoughts? Like how do we do that?
1: Yeah. You're going to drive yourself crazy if you just try to work on, on your mindset. Right. Right. many people that are just like, okay, let's work with the mindset. Right. Well, so Joe Dispenza is a a genius and his, his sort of understandings I'm, I'm very fascinated with. and, And I use a lot of that stuff. The thing is that like you said, catch that thought, right? That's like awareness is the first step in healing anything like you have to become aware. And also you have to understand, just like I said, most of the like negative things or the trauma responses or the anxiety, the depression, they're a very normal response to an abnormal situation. Like we're not designed to live in these little boxes and be isolated from each other. And, you know, our body is seeing the effects of like not being connected to the earth. And there's so many, so we're not going to be able to go back. Right. And so. Like moving forward, we just have to give ourselves grace of understanding that we're living in a world that's not designed for us, Mm -hmm. and so like offering yourself some grace first, and then becoming aware of it, like, and then most of our decisions are made from our emotions. Like even you know people study this in marketing. Like most of our decisions are like people are emotional buyers. Yeah, we we don't think through decisions as much as we we think we do a Mm. lot of it's emotional and so a lot of our decision makings are made from our emotion and a lot of us have a fuck ton of undigested emotion yeah and so like i can talk through the process of breath work and then we can kind of like why it actually works and then we can kind of you know circle back to that 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 question yeah so The process that I use is that if you were in the presence of a tiger, like in a very stressed state, like you're about to be eaten alive, how would you be breathing? You'd probably be breathing like... Right. And so a lot of people don't realize this. And especially like there's a lot of breath workers out there that don't even realize this. They think that's actually good for your system. It's actually we're mimicking a trauma response in your system. And Mm. so we are mimicking like a very stressful state, like breathing heavily for that long of time. We're mimicking like a near death experience in a way. Mm. And so what that does though, if if we create a safe container with intention, we can mimic that stress response in your system that gives the animal part of you an opportunity to discharge the physical thing that it needed to do in the moment of that stressor we are very physical beings we're emotional beings we're also mental beings as well but a lot of us when something has happened to us we seize up our body we 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 don't feel like we can express whatever emotion happens and then we just logically kind of rationalize whatever happened we live in our mind we're not occupying our body and so We can mimic that sort of state, that stressful state, which is very, very important to kind of understand what's going on. We're mimicking a trauma response, which gives them, the organism, the human, an opportunity to discharge. Now that discharge, whether that's crying, whether that's yelling, whether that's laughing, whether that's shaking, whether that's like moving your body in ways you haven't let yourself move, all of those are movements of energy. And if we don't find ways to express those, then they become suppressed, repressed, depressed. And that movement of energy through your system is the signal to your body that you're not in the presence of a stressor anymore. And so if you never had the opportunity to discharge, to yell, to cry, to scream, to be angry, to laugh, to feel joy, like it it works on both sides. Yeah. If you never had permission to do that, then your body is still feeling like it's in the presence of that tiger. And so there's so many people in the world that have rationalized and like mentally compartmentalized the things that have happened to them, but their body's still in the presence of a tiger. And so we don't really realize that. And children are so good at this right if something happens to them they immediately start throwing a temper tantrum because they know that they don't want to suppress it they don't want to carry it in their body yeah, they want to move it through them and so they have a just an innate understanding that i don't want to bottle this up let me move it through and then they'll go take a nap right and then they'll wake up like nothing ever happened yeah and so oh, that signal point. of that 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 expression that movement of energy is the signal to your body that you're not in the presence of a stressor anymore. And animals do this so they do it innately. Like something stressful happens to them, they start shaking. They start taking huge deep belly breaths and they, they discharge it, they move it through themselves so that they can go back to their normal everyday state. Like, and if an animal didn't do that, then it would continue to live its life from that fear state. And how long would it be able to survive in that state? No, it has to eat. It has to like protect itself. It has to do all the natural things that it does. And so we can mimic that state, give their physiology an opportunity to discharge. And then a lot of the times after that discharge, like when people clear on a body level, become clear mentally. Like if you're you're in pain, if you're like really sad, if something is weighing heavily emotionally on you, like try to think clearly. You're not going to be able to think clearly. And so, a lot of people have undigested experiences that they haven't let themselves move through their body. They have undigested emotions that they haven't let themselves feel. And they're trying to think clearly and make clear decisions. And it doesn't work like that. And a lot of the decisions they're making are from that undigested emotion. And it starts to leak out on the people that they love, it starts to leak out on everyone around them. I mean, you know, I, I, I think about like, you know, I live in Texas now and, and when I first moved here, there was a massive school shooting, like, you know, hundred miles away from here or something. And I just wonder about like the, these, these kids that went in there and, and shot up this school, like that's a massive amount of anger. That's a massive amount. And to have, like that didn't just happen right away. That's been bottled. It's been it's been pushed down. It's been suppressed. And it wants to find a way to express itself. And expression can be in a healthy way. It can be in an unhealthy way. And so that, that emotion is energy in motion. It doesn't want to be carried in your body. It wants to move through. We don't have places and spaces and patterns and traditions in our culture that allow us to express some of these negative, which no emotion is necessarily negative we don't have ways in which we can discharge these in a healthy way. And so it finds a way to come out. And a lot of the time it'll come out on making poor decisions, lashing out on the people around you that end up hurting you and end up, end up hurting um, the people around you. And so that's the first half of somatic breath work. Like that's helping people move through these traumas, but that's not, it's not necessarily what it's about. Like, it's about what you let back in afterwards. Mm. And so that's a big piece that I feel like is missing from a lot of the breathworks, from a lot of the understandings. And the, the, that's kind of based on Joe Dispenza's work a little bit is that, okay, now that you've, you've discharged, you've had an opportunity to release these emotions, you've cleared. A lot of times people c- become clear. They see clearly and it creates that sort of spiritual experience for people where they, connect to themselves and what their purpose was and they remember all of the things that they came here to do they see it so clearly and then it's like okay let's create like what does that feel like let's Mm. create that elevated sensation that elevated emotion see it clearly now bring it back into your body and fire and wire that back into yourself because so many people i think for myself too is like I put, some, I, I put so much pressure on myself. I did like Damn. like trying to like visualize my purpose. Like what's my purpose? What did I come here to do? Mm-hmm. You know, I tried to see it clearly and the world changes. The outside world, it, it fluctuates all the time and it's very hard to visualize like what my purpose is. But if I know how I want to feel when I'm living it, like that's much more of a compass for me and I can tap into that. And that in my day-to-day life, like I can start to create that elevated emotion. And when I do things that make me feel more like the felt sensation of my purpose, I can move in that direction. And I'm not swayed by those undigested emotions, those parts of myself that wants to come out. Like I already have have let that move through, right? And so there's a lot more there, but I could I could. Yeah.
0: So you, you talked about anger, and I'm glad we were going there because This is like something that I have personally struggled with my entire life is this deep rooted anger that sometimes I don't know where it comes from. You know, a lot of stuff growing up, I think I built a lot of it up, but you know, there's times where I'm fine and then all of a sudden these certain things will just, this different person comes out, lashes out and I'm like, holy fuck. I didn't even realize I was in there. And I know anger can be used in good. I know it's not, you know, it's all on all bad, but I would love to know like, do you see this? Is that one of the more, um, is that one of the more common trauma responses that, that anger that suppressing and it just comes out? Like, what are your thoughts on that? And yeah, like, do you see that often people dealing with this, like, this deep rooted, anger that you that it doesn't you don't even know where it comes from sometimes
1: yeah brother i can definitely resonate we look at anger in our world and uh, anger is fire it is transformation it is boundary right and if someone is hurting my family like best believe i'm going to be angry mm. and it's so important for me to be able to tap into that a lot of us and it's interesting because I see it both on men and women. Like men, you know, anger is if you're an angry person, like you're scary. And 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 then women, like if you express anger, like you're a bitch and no one wants to be around you, right? Yeah. And so, especially when we're young, like when we feel anger, it's telling us where a boundary is. Like it's telling us that like, Someone has crossed our boundary, something, someone has crossed our boundary. And it's, and it's so important to be able to understand where those boundaries are so that we don't get walked on. Like, and you have to be aware of the, like the spiritual trappings of like, because a lot of people will say, oh, you're a spiritual person. Like you don't get angry. Right. Or like, and that is, that is like the, one of the most toxic things Yeah, because anger is so necessary and it allows us to develop this sense of self and other. And so we don't get a mesh, right? And we don't let people walk all over us. And we are allowed to be our own expression, our own individuality in the world. Everything that's living has its own unique expression, right? Every mm. different plant, flower, every snowflake, it all has its own unique expression. And that's like part of our, our purpose in this existence, I think. And so when that unique expression is getting kind of walked on or pressed upon, or if something is not like, in resonance with your truth and 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 what you stand for, then you're gonna feel that. And it and it needs to have a way to move through you. And it's not like people, a lot of the times we go into like different anger practices, and a lot of the times people will say, well, I'm just not an angry person. And it's not the person that that has an ability to express anger. Those aren't the people that are an angry person, right? it's the person that actually has not been able to tap into that anger because it's been suppressed and now it's held in the body and it wants to go somewhere. And so it'll come out in like, like it'll leak out into our, and a lot of times it'll leak out into our closest relationships. And so, and it'll, it'll leak out into our decisions. And so having it goes so deep because it's cultural and it's societal and it's beyond like, yes, we have to take responsibility for it on a personal level, but it's also like the patterns of our culture and society. So I definitely want to like speak to that and make sure people understand that. But at the same time, it's like awareness is the first step, like noticing it, noticing when I'm feeling a little irritable when I'm feeling a little passive aggressive when I'm, when my, when my, my internal space like has no more capacity. Like we, it's interesting because we use so many of these, these terms in our culture, like I'm on my last nerve. That means like I'm, I'm, my nervous system has no more capacity or I'm about to have a nervous breakdown, right? My nervous system has no more capacity and I'm about to explode. And so, we have no more capacity. We have to like be aware when we have no more capacity and when we become overloaded or someone has like filled up our capacity or moved or like gone past a boundary and we're not able to hold that. And so having different practices to be able to like channel that anger in a healthy expression for myself, like maybe it's like going to the gym or maybe it's like playing my guitar, like very voraciously perhaps or it's like beating you know beating a pillow or whatever it is like my phys, and we're physical beings like we need to have a physical way to channel that out especially men too yeah like martial arts there's so many different forms of healthy expression through that but it needs to be moved out physically and then we can look at it like once it's moved through us physically then we can actually like okay what do I actually need to do based upon that? Because it's telling us something. It's telling us like, hey, I'm, you shouldn't be dealing with that anymore. And so now we can actually make like a clear, logical, like rational decision on that instead of making the decision like in that place of anger. The anger's already moved through our body. Like we need to have that. And then it's like, okay, now let's come back to like, like clarity and then take action upon what What that stimulus was telling us. Does that make sense? Yeah, dude, so much good stuff. So, is it possible
0: then for somebody that has this deep rooted anger response? Let's just say myself to be able to, because I know there's a lot of people, right? To be able to do that through this this the breath work? Is it, are we able to get a better control of it? Like what is going to happen to that anger? Is it like, you know, what is the, out, what is the outcome? Like what, what would be the best end result? of let's say somebody that loses their shit or certain things like, you know, you have control of it or you have, you know, you have an idea of your behaviors, but you know that certain things will, you'll feel that you're like going to explode. Like what's the end result of doing this work for somebody that is suffering with that, that you've seen?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And there's a couple, there's a couple ways to go about this. And, and the approach that I take is I never go into a session like, and I never have my client go into a session or I never approach a session like having the intention of working with anger or working mm. with a specific emotion. Because then we get into like having an agenda for ourselves. Right. And then that can impede upon what's actually there. Because a lot of the times there's probably a deep sadness underneath that anger. Like, you know, I was very angry with like my father when I was young not being able to like come to my sports games or show up for me or teach me like fatherly things or spend time or do vacations or like do anything really. And I was very angry about it, but I sat through it and like, and I moved that anger through my system. And on the, on the end of that anger was actually a deep sadness. Like I just wanted his love. And so a lot of the times I'll see people move through anger and they go into the anger. And then it's like, it, there's actually like something deeper there. Oftentimes, it is a deep sadness, and so I never go at it from the intention of working directly with the emotion. Like I want there to be enough space to allow what's actually there to come up. Because right. as soon as I think I know, I've
0: lost it. It's just like going into a cer- a ceremony. Plant medicine too. It's the same thing.
1: It's the same thing, right? Yeah. Because. You might think that it's anger, it's, but it actually might else. be it might be something completely different. Yeah. What I go into as far as like an intention is what do you actually want to receive? How do you want to feel? Mm. And through my sort of understandings and polarity, like we we live in a in a duality. And so if I can like beyond looking at anger, if you were to do a session with me right now, like what would you want to receive? Like, how would you want to feel? Wholeness. What do you, heart openings. Yeah. Wholeness. Is yeah. that the word? Like one word. Yeah. Something like you just,
0: just that, that, that feeling of like free, freedom or yeah. Freedom, wholeness. Just, ah, uh, just everything's, everything's
1: good. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like freedom, a sense of freedom. So I would look at the thing because a lot of the times people will come in and they will say like this, I need to release like anger or I need to release yeah. fear. Or yeah. I want to release like the traumas from my ex-wife, or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. like, okay, well, if you actually knew what you wanted to release, you probably would have released it by now. So it's like, what do you actually want? It's a good point. And so from That's that a- place. Yeah, I would offer kind of an invitation because we can look at that thing that you want, wholeness. And I would offer you an invitation and I would I would I would know, say, okay, maybe during this session, I want to give you the invitation to maybe breathe into all of the parts of yourself that you feel disconnected to, that you feel cut off from. Because A lot of the times the thing we want to receive, it's already who we are. Like wholeness, it's already who you are. There's something in the way. And so during this session, you have the opportunity to see what's in the way of your wholeness. What are the parts of yourself that you've cut off from? Maybe it's the angry part of yourself that you deemed as a bad thing. And maybe that's the most powerful aspect of you that is like a beautiful expression that needs to be channeled into something that can absolutely change the world. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times it's not about the thing that you want to receive, whether it's love, freedom, wholeness, clarity, peace. Our task is not to like go out and find that thing. Our task is to remove all of the obstacles in there that are in the way of that because that's already who we are. Yeah. Oh, it's powerful, man. You know, there's also
0: this fear around breath work because man, sometimes you can go deep and, you know, I've heard a lot of, you know, from people and even myself, I've had some of the most profound experiences yet. It's still scary sometimes. (laughs) Like, what is that? Yeah. What is that for like, why, why do people feel that? Because I
1: think that's what stops a lot of people from wanting to do that. Like, what is that? There's multiple reasons why I'm in. And uh, it always blows my mind, like, how many people are afraid to do breath work. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you'll go drink ayahuasca or do mushrooms or take pills or get in the car, but you're afraid to sit down with yourself and breathe for an hour.
0: Yeah, it's not
1: crazy. It, it just blows my mind, right? And there's one aspect of breathwork that I think is because it's, it's just you. There is no nothing else. You're not ingesting anything. Whether, like Anything that you ingest, whether it's coffee, whether it's food, whether it's ayahuasca, all of those things have an agenda for your system. They're taking you for the ride. Mushrooms, they're taking you for the ride. With breathwork, there is no other agenda besides your own inspiration, your own respiration. To respire is to respirit, and mm-hmm. so everything that's coming through is only you and yourself, and so the messages come that come through are very clear, and that can be scary. What would you say is the difference between intuition and
0: instinct, or are they the same? That question just came to me. And I had to ask
1: you instinct is is your instincts are the memories that you've inherited. For personal survival and you've sort of developed them right but they're the memories that you've inherited for your personal survival right so like an instinct an instinct is that if i put my hand on a burning stove i'm going to pull it off and so that is a pattern that has been passed down to me because somebody did it thousands of years ago they got too close to the fire and that pattern probably happened enough times where our nervous system realized like don't touch the fire. Right. Mm -hmm. So those instincts are passed down and they're also developed. You can train your instincts, you know, but it's, it's not nature and nurture. It's both like you are the sum total of, of your ancestry and all of the experiences that you've gone through and the things that you've done and changed. Mm -hmm. And so your intuition It's a, it's, I'm not as clear on that because I think that everyone kind of uses a different intuitive tool in a way. I think that we all have our sort of strengths and weaknesses, but it's, I think it's intuition is actually becoming sensitive. It's Mm. becoming like full of sensory awareness and we all have different senses that we're more, we're better at, right? Like I'm a very kinesthetic person. A very felt sense. I feel very deeply. Me too. Some people are better, like visual, auditory wise, like to become sensitive. And this is another issue in our world is that we look at the term sensitive and we think that's a weakness. But actually, the most powerful people are very sensitive. And like, because sensitive means that you're full of sense, you're full of sensory awareness you're able to pick up on minute details and energy fluctuation. So I don't think that intuitive is like some psychic gift, but I think it's like how sensitive are you aware of like minute details and energy fluctuation of the things that are going on around you? And so like your nervous system, the primary function of it is communication. And communication is to connect. Like electrically, when I walk into a room, I am seeing and feeling all of the things that are happening and that's being communicated to me and my system is picking up on all of those things. Like next time you walk into a room full of people, notice if your system is already scanning the room for like threats. And maybe it's not threats for your life, but maybe it's threats of like, oh, I feel like that person's judging me over there or I feel like that person's talking shit or like, you know, whatever it is, like your system is surveying the room for threats whether you're aware of it or not and the more aware of it you are the more sensitive you are because your system's already doing it and so and like you would think about men that were like really really good hunters like back in the day you'd probably be able to like notice like if there was a slight change in the wind or if Mm -hmm. this twig had been like broken off just a little bit like maybe a deer came through here like you would be so sensory aware to your environment that you'd be able to notice almost everything. And that would give you kind of an intuitive understanding on things, right? I think we can tra- train that sensitivity. And as a practitioner, when I'm working with people, like I've, I, some people are like, oh my God, that was so intuitive. Like you, you did this thing with me. And I'm like, no, I just have done this a lot and I notice like very little subtle things and it gives me ideas on what's going on.
0: I love it, bro. I overrun it at a time here. So, can you explain to everybody where the best place to find you is? And, you know, maybe if somebody is new to this, there's something that they can maybe try out or something or, you know.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think that you know, I'll leave you with that, you know, your breath. It's, it's the thing that's been hidden in plain sight. It's the thing that can control your state. You can either think about it and take a breath in right now. Or you can go about your day and you don't have to think about it. You have a choice. And that choice is between being in a state of fear, being in a state of contraction. You get to decide what state your body is in, what state you're operating in. Or you can be in a state of expansion, be in a state of love, and your breath controls that state. You have access to that all of the time. Mm -hmm. And so beyond that, beyond any sort of breathwork practice, it's just like... How aware can you be of your breath at all times? And if you want to try, we have like shorter breathwork, like mini sessions. We have some on YouTube. You can check out Somatic Breathwork on YouTube. We have a ton of videos on there. You can check out somaticbreathwork.com if you want to come to a live session in person or we have live sessions bi-weekly online. We just opened up our membership for free to all veterans. If you're a veteran, you want to try this where you can you know, be in our membership for free. And also it's like, it's like we wanted, wanted to make it very accessible. It's 35 bucks a month. And you can do multiple sessions on there. And then also, uh, yeah, you can connect with us on Instagram. That's kind of where we're most active at somatic release. And then if you want to connect with me, if you ever want to chat about this, my Instagram is at jaggersjr. So appreciate you having me on, Lance.
0: Man, absolute pleasure. I wish we had more time. We'll have to do another one.
1: And your podcast,
0: Mind Mind Body Mentor Podcast.
1: Yeah, Mind Body Mentor podcast. I I haven't been as consistent on that as I would like to be. There's been a lot of other things going on with Somatic, but <laughs> I'm looking to go back in on that real soon. And, and I, I'm lining up some interviews for, for all you guys. So I'd love to have you on there sometime, brother.
0: Oh, I love it, man. Yeah. And I highly recommend everybody go to Steven's Instagram. You got lots of great stuff on there. And Yeah, man. I just, I love the work that you're doing. I'm very drawn to it. I think I'm at that level of my journey where this stuff is just becoming more and more fascinating and I'm realizing how much and how important it is for the world that we live in. So thank you, bro, for paving the way and thank you for that amazing, you know, this amazing conversation. And I know it's going to help a lot of people.
1: Yeah. Really appreciate you, Lance. And I'm hoping to see you soon, brother. Yeah. Thanks, brother.
0: Thanks, everybody. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you aren't already. We're available everywhere you listen. CastBox, Spotify, Apple. Leave us a review on Apple or Spotify, you guys. It really, really helps the show. And we are available on YouTube also. Really pushing to have more of a YouTube presence. And um, yeah, we love you guys' support. Also, if you guys want to join... The University of Adversity email list and get an email from me once a week. Go ahead and do so. I have the Warrior Quiz, where if you want to develop more self awareness in your life and find out your adversity archetypes, take the Warrior Quiz. It's free and it's a great way to kind of get into the whole community. And uh, yeah, and then you'll get an email from me once a week. Stuff I don't share specifically on social media. Some emails are longer than others, but I like to just have something that I share only with the email lists. So if you want to join that, go ahead. The link's there. The book link, all that stuff is there, you guys. And as always, I love you. I appreciate you and uh, couldn't do it without you. All right. We'll catch you next time.